today is kind of, in my opinion, one of the easier uh, one another's that we've been through. Some of the one another's have been very challenging. Um, it's been about submitting to one another and some of these really difficult concepts. Today's is a little bit more straightforward, but I still think it's important that we take the time to remind ourselves about these things. Because remember, we are talking about how, as the church is starting to regather and to rebuild, how do we do so in a way where we're treating one another in the way that Christ would have us to treat one another. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. So, if you would, open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. And we are going to start there here in just a few minutes. But let's talk just a little bit about this idea of provoking one another. One thing that I want to point out to you guys as we, as we kind of launch into this topic this morning is you'll notice this one is a little bit different. So far, all of our one another's have been what we are supposed to do, right? We are supposed to pray for one another. We are supposed to love one another. We are supposed to submit to one another. We are supposed to encourage one another. But notice this is the first one that is a do not. And that is to do not provoke and do not envy one another. Now, when I think of this word provoke, it brings a lot of things to mind. It reminds me of my childhood um, with me and my brother growing up, and it reminds me of my kids that I have right now, because I have an almost two-year-old and a fresh four-year-old, and when I think of provoking, that's exactly what I think about, because I see my, my four-year-old who will provoke my two-year-old all of the time. She'll be minding her own business, playing with a toy that my son has absolutely no interest in, and he will walk over and pull it out of her hand. Now, that's just one example of provoking someone else, right? And we think of kids when we think of that. But what I want you to really think about this morning as we start to unpack this scripture is I want you to think about ways that we, as a Christian family, may provoke one another. What are some things that we do, whether intentionally or unintentionally, to provoke one another? Because it's some pretty strong language that we are to not provoke each other. So let's get into the text. The big idea is that we, when we walk in the Spirit, we do not provoke and we do not envy. And we're going to spend a little time this morning talking about what walking in the Spirit means because this whole idea of walking in the Spirit or being in Christ is something that's vital for us to understand. Otherwise, none of these one another's make any sense to us if we're not truly following the example of Christ and walking in the Spirit. So, if you are not familiar with the book of Galatians, here's just a really short, brief introduction for you. Chapters 1 and 2 is the gospel of the crucified Messiah. It's also, if you're familiar with Galatians, where Paul kind of justifies who he is and what his position is and what gives him his authority. And then in chapters 3 and 4, he talks about creating a new multi-ethnic community. Now, here's what I mean by that, is this is that idea of the Jews and the Gentiles. And if you're familiar with Galatians, a lot of it is talking about how, you know, some of the Jewish folks thought that if these Gentiles wanted to be saved and they wanted to be part of God's people, that they needed to convert to Judaism and they needed to do all of the practices, whether it be the food practices and circumcision and things like that. They really felt like, hey, if these guys want to be like us, then they need to follow exactly what we do. And we're not going to get into all of that because that's another lesson for another day, but we know that that was not what Paul was teaching them. And then when we get into verses 5 and 6, it's being transformed by the Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about here 
today. So let's dive into our text again. We're in Galatians chapter 15, starting in verse 16. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, so here's where we get into this thing that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, where we're talking about, are we following the Spirit and are we led by the Spirit, or are we led by our own selfish, worldly desires? That's what we really have to take a look at to understand what walking in the Spirit or walking with Christ truly means. So, let's take a look at that. And these are just some of the ways that we walk in the Spirit. Again, the first and most important way, right, is we spend time in the Word. We've got to be in our Bibles. We've got to be in our Bibles every day. We've got to understand what the Word says. We've got to understand what the example of Christ is because it all starts there. And if we don't start there, then we don't have a firm foundation. We've got to start in the Bible. We've got to know what the Bible says. Now, I'm not saying you have to be able to quote every scripture, book, chapter, and verse, or you have to have it all memorized. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just don't have that skill set. But what I am saying is that we've got to know the message of the Bible. We've got to understand the message of hope, the message of love that the Bible offers us. We've got to understand the plan of salvation that's laid out for us. We've got to understand what Christ expects of us. Because if we don't understand what Christ expects of us, how could we ever be successful in being a Christ follower? It's just like if you go to a new job and they say, uh, hey, uh, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go do X, Y, Z. But they don't tell you how to do that. You're not going to be very successful in that job, at least not over the long term. But when they sit down and they say, hey, we're going to have you train for the next six weeks with someone so that you can be successful at this job, then you're going to be much more successful. And the Bible is exactly that for us. It's our training. It's our understanding. It's, it's the explanation of how we become a Christ follower. The second step that I want to look at is not only do we have to know what it says, but then we have to do it, right? Because it doesn't do us any good to know if we can't actually do it, and we're not actually putting it to practice in our daily lives. See, the Bible isn't, is not just meant to be something that we just open up from time to time and we take a look at a couple scriptures and then we close it and we put it back on the nightstand. It's meant to be something that we are actually knowing, understanding, and then applying when we walk out the door. See, that's the key. It's not just, a, it's just, not just a, a box that we check. Okay, I read my Bible. If we're not living that out, if we're not embodying that Christ-like behavior, then it doesn't matter how much we know if our actions don't show that. We need to spend time in prayer. Like any good relationship, right, it requires communication. And if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, then you've got to communicate with Jesus, Right? What's the first thing that happens when relationships break down? Communication stops. Right? Communication stops. So if we're not communicating with Christ, then how can we expect to be in the Spirit? How can we expect to have a relationship with Him if we're not spending time in prayer? We have this amazing ability to talk to the Creator of the universe. And what's even more amazing is He wants to hear from us. So we've got to spend time in prayer. That's one of the ways that we're in the Spirit, and that's how we develop that true relationship with Jesus Christ. Because, see, if we don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, what do we have? We have nothing. Thank you. We have nothing. It's about that personal relationship 
with our Lord and Savior. And we've got to live out these one another's that we've been talking about, right? Because when we're loving each other and we're encouraging each other and we're praying for one another and we're not provoking one another like we're talking about today, then we're living in the Spirit. See, we're acting out our faith. We're showing others our love for Jesus Christ through our actions and through our behaviors. And that's how we truly become a strong community. Let's go ahead and continue in the text with verse 17. Verse 17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I love the dichotomy of this, right? He's saying, look, you can't have your cake and eat it too, which don't get me started on that, that whole analogy because I don't understand why you would want cake if you can't eat the cake. As you can see, I don't not eat the cake. So, you know, that, that phrase doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But this scripture does because he's saying, look, you can either walk by the spirit or you can walk by the flesh, but you can't do both. So you have to choose every day, am I going to walk in the Spirit? Am I going to walk by the flesh? Am I going to walk with what Christ desires on my life or what I desire for my own guilty self? That's what we have to decide on a daily basis, and it makes it very clear right here when Paul says, look, you can't have it both ways. And I love how he finishes that verse. He says, you don't get to do whatever you want. As parents, how many times do we say that to our kids? Look, you can't just go around doing whatever you want. Well, that's exactly what Paul's saying, is if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a Christ follower, you have to put those other things aside, and you have to walk in the Spirit as a Christ follower. We move on to verse 18. And in 18 it says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Now, if you've been tuned in as we've been going through the one and others, we've seen the, this list of things, right, multiple times now. We've seen this same list of things multiple times. And what do we always jokingly say, right? If it's there more than once, it's probably going to be on the test. Well, this is probably on the test. He's reminding us once again of these things that we fall into. And it's interesting to me that these same things that he's talking about, that they were dealing with 2,000 and however many years ago, we're still dealing with today. We're still dealing with these same things today, which is why we see this over and over again, because we need that reminder to stay away from those things, right? Because not only are they sinful in nature, but they lead to idolatry because we start to idolize those types of things. Let's go ahead and go to verse 20. Verse 20 says, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions. So again, he's talking about how we, we, the body of Christ, right, should be acting towards one another. And he lays out some really good things here that we need to keep in mind. Now, he's talking about idolatry and witchcraft, because remember that the sexual morality and things like that can, can be considered idolatry. And witchcraft was in this time and place that this was written was a problem. People believed in magic, and they believed in potions. There were even some that thought Christ was just a magician, right? That he wasn't really doing the things that he claimed he was doing. But we have to avoid things like hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, or, or insert anger there, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and factions, 
Now, I, I love the fact that when you, when you look at this, and again, not so much the idolatry and witch, witchcraft part, but the rest of that verse, I think of family, right? I think of these would be some great ideas or some great rules for the family, that if you avoid these things, then you're going to live in more of a peaceful and harmonious environment. And it's the exact same thing for our church family. See, we got to avoid those things. we got to avoid our selfish ambitions. we got to put others in front of us. we got to put the good of the whole in front of the good of the one. And that's exactly what Paul is reminding them of, that this is how we live in the Spirit. This is how we live as a church family. If we go on to verse 21, it says, And envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live in this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He lays it out for us, right? He basically says, if you, want to in, if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, if you want to make it to heaven one day, you got to walk in the Spirit and not walk in the flesh. When we move on to verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He's laying out the fruits of the Spirit. So in these last couple verses, right, we talked about these are the things that you shouldn't do. Don't do these things. And now he's transitioning to say these are the things that you should be doing. Because, see, when you're walking in the Spirit, you have that love. You have joy, right? And we find our joy in our close relationship with Jesus Christ. We have peace, we have peace that no matter what's happening in this world, that because of our relationship with Jesus, we have something better to look forward to. We know this is not the end. We've got to treat each other with kindness and goodness. We've got to be faithful and gentle. We've got to have self-control. So he's laying it out there. And, and look at this list. Wouldn't you want to be described by this list? I would. I would love if somebody said, you know what, that Aaron guy, he is this, 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 and this. That'd be fantastic, right? I think we would all like that. So how do we get, how do we get that? We've got to act those things out. We've got to believe those things in our heart. See, when we're truly in and of the Spirit, this is how we act. And this is how we treat one another. Let's go ahead and move to verse 24. Verse 24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, we have to, when we put on Christ, when we accept Christ right, as our Lord and Savior, when we're baptized and we say, I'm going to commit to live my life for Jesus Christ, we're crucifying our old self. We're putting that old self behind us. See, that old self doesn't count anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. That's not who we are anymore. And we put away those passions and desires that we had, and we walk in step with the Spirit. And I love how he used the, the walking in step with the Spirit, right? Because you, you just imagine, like, when you walk with someone, right, you walk side by side with them. Think about how you walk with your children. Think about how you walk with your spouse. You don't walk in front or behind them. You walk next to them. And see, we got to do that. 
We've got to walk with Jesus and we've got to walk in the Spirit. 26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And I hope that you've thought a little bit about this, this passage, and this is the passage that Adam read for us earlier. This idea of provoking one another. And this idea of envying one another is something that's so important for us. And it can be something that's kind of hard for us sometimes, right? Because we see what other people have, and instead of being, that's awesome. That's great, my brother or sister. I'm glad that you have that. We get jealous and we envy. And remember, it's taking it that step too far where instead of just saying, oh, I'd love to have a car like that, we're like, I want that car. They don't deserve that car. They shouldn't have that car. They shouldn't have that house. See, that's where we kind of cross that line. But shouldn't we, as brothers and sisters, be happy for one another? Shouldn't we want to see each other succeed? Why does it have to be one or the other? We should have a desire. We should have a want to see every person in our church succeed, to be happy, to have relationships, to have the things that they need, or even the things that they want. See, that's the difference. When you truly love someone, you want the best for that person. And there's no selfish desire, and there's no conceitedness in that. You truly want them to succeed in everything, whether it be their family, whether it be their job, whether it be their relationship with Christ. You want the best for them. And our church family is no different. Let's not provoke one another. Let's not allow others to provoke us. Let's love each other. Let's truly want the best for one another. And see, that's how we build a stronger community. That's how we build a community of love and respect and kindness. What if we truly acted out of love and did not provoke? See, we can have that closer family. See, we can have those relationships within the church that we desire to have. And we can be the church that Christ wants us to be. But it takes each and every one of us acting out of love. It takes each and every one of us walking with the Spirit, and we can do that. The Bible tells us how to do it. It's not a matter of we don't know. It's a matter of whether we choose to do that or not. And I pray that we will, because I pray that that now that we're finally getting somewhat back to normal, whatever that looks like, that we will be a church that lives out Christ that we'll be a church that lives out the gifts of the Spirit. A church that doesn't provoke, that doesn't envy, that doesn't criticize, but simply loves one another. So how do we do that? Well, we walk with the Spirit. And we've talked a lot about that, so I'm not going to go back over that again. But we follow the model of Christ. We follow the model of Christ. And how do we do that again? By knowing what Christ did. By knowing what Christ said. See, we should be wanting to live our lives to be Christ-like. Now, obviously, we can't be Christ. I'm not claiming that. But we can try our best 
to emulate him in everything that we say and do? Do we treat people the way that he treated people? Do we treat each other the way that he treated people? Do we love the way that he loved enough to die for each and every one of us? I want to leave you with one last scripture. And we're going to take it out of Galatians, and we're going to take it all the way back to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9 says, Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Patience, forbearance, and love. And we can do that. Now, this morning, before we, before we close out, I want to give you the opportunity that if you've never had that chance to put on Christ, to walk in the Spirit, to be baptized for the remission of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we're going to give you that opportunity here this morning. Or if we can pray for you in any way, if we can help you in any way, I want to encourage you as we sing this next song to come forward and either myself or one of the elders will be happy to speak with you, to pray with you, and to help you in any way that we can. Would you please join us as we stand together and as we sing? Oh, come and...